0: I missed you guys all so much last week. If you didn't know, I was in Springfield, Missouri last week for a conference with other Chi Alpha directors from around the country. It was a very refreshing week. But the whole time I was there, I was thinking about how much I missed all of you and I wanted to get back here and be with our people. Because you guys are incredible. You, aw, amen, all. you guys are so good. If this is your first time with us. My name is Derek, thank you, and I'm the director of Chi Alpha I would love to meet you after service if you, again, this is your first time. I'd love to introduce myself, love to get to know you better. I'm so thankful that you decided to join us tonight, and I hope that here at Chi Alpha you can feel at home, you can feel like you belong as you encounter God and grow with your friends. So as a Chi Alpha missionary, which is what my title is, I do what is called support racing. So what this means is it means for my salary... I'm technically an adult who has to have a real salary and pay bills and like a mortgage and for dog food, things like that. My dog eats a lot of food. He's getting chubby. It's all right. We're praying for his soul. But anyways, so I have to have a salary. My salary comes from the generosity of my family, from friends and churches from around our state. So I have to go around and ask them, will you give me money every month so I can work here in Chi Alpha? Because if you guys haven't noticed, we don't do a tithe here at Chi Alpha. We don't pass a bucket. You guys don't give me any money. So I have to go get it from somewhere else because you guys don't have any money. So if you guys paid my salary, Cap would go hungry and die, okay? So I have to ask other people. So before I became a Chi Alpha intern, which is the first step in Chi Alpha, so before I became an intern, this is back in 2018, I had to go around and do this. I had to go and do meetings with people and ask them to support us monthly so we could do Chi Alpha. I was supposed to raise $1,500 a month for my intern salary. For some of you, that seems like a lot of money. For me, it's not very much money now that I'm an adult, but it's okay. Hallelujah. So we did a pretty good job, Taylor and I. She's a little better than I am at support raising. She's more charming than I am. But anyways, we raised about 95 to 98% of our budget, depending on the month. So that sounds good, right? 95, 98, you're almost there. But I'll be honest, this ticks me off so much. I was so close. I remember one month we were at 1,475 of the 1,500. (laughs) I'm a little bit of a competitive person. Somebody's made me so mad. I'm like, come on, God. Why can't I get to the 100%? Why am I at 98%? And I'd constantly worry about Taylor and I's finances. I'm like, how are we going to pay our bills? How are we going to pay for everything? I'd get so anxious. I'd get mad at God, to be honest. i say, why won't you let us get to 100%? Looking back, though, I see exactly what God was up to in that season. He was building a trust in me. See, God wanted me to rely on him For that last few percent. Something that's really cool is, again, we never got to that total number of 100% in that season. We're at 100% now, praise Jesus, but every month I got my full salary, I'm pretty sure, because of just random gifts that people would give. People don't always support you monthly. Sometimes they're like, here's 100 bucks for a one-time thing, and we would get our full salary almost every month. God always came through. I'll be honest, I struggle to trust God. Do any of you guys ever struggle to trust God? Some, yeah, yeah, amen. If you don't, hallelujah. Talk to me afterwards, we're gonna hire you. I need some people who trust Jesus. And as you just learned, you get to raise your own salary, so I don't have to pay you, so I can hire all of you. It doesn't affect my life, just your family and friends. Come on, do the Chi Alpha internship, amen. There's my shameless plug. But I do worry about a lot of things. And for some reason, I think that if I just stay up all night, and if I think about it when I'm trying to sleep, when I wake up or when I don't wake up, when I get out of bed, for some reason, things are going to be better, because I spent the whole night worrying about it. When in actuality, that just makes my situation worse because then I get tired and I get grumpy and I'm just stressed. Do any of you guys stay up all night worrying about things, stressing? See, God wanted me to trust him with our finances and he has provided every step of the way. When Taylor and I first got married, when I asked my father-in-law to marry his daughter, I was employed at Scratch Cupcakery. Heck yeah, I was, i First decorated cupcakes and I sucked at that. Probably shouldn't say that word. I stunk at decorating cupcakes so a week later I got demoted to front staff. They didn't even tell me, they just sent me an email. I was so mad I was in class. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'm demoted now. Thank you. So we were, I worked at Scratch Cupcakery. Taylor also worked there. And somehow we always paid our bills every month. Never went hungry. Probably should have. It would have helped with health reasons. But anyways, God always provided. And then I started working for Kai Alpha, and since day one, my salary for Kai Alpha has come from the generosity of other people. Not a very stable source of income, but we've never gone without. We've had some months where it's a little tight, but God always came through. So why did I struggle to trust him so much? I think if we're honest, many of us do struggle to trust God, especially when it comes to our finances. We think, what if something goes wrong? What if my 2020... Car breaks down. Got to have a $10,000 savings account for that. We think, what if the worst happens? What if my scholarships don't work out? What if I flunk all my classes? I mean, I have a 4.0 right now, but you never know. I might fail a class and lose my scholarship. The world will fall apart if I do not have the money in the bank to pay all my bills. Or what if I lose my job? What if Scratch realizes I really stink at decorated cupcakes and they fire me? It happens, okay? It happened to me. It can happen to you. It's all right. Some of us are like, if I don't have $10,000 in my savings account, I don't feel safe. If I don't work 55 hours a week on top of going to school, I won't be able to afford all the things that I want. I must have ultimate security and backing with my finances or else something could go wrong and we worry, we worry, we worry, we stress. We think we don't have time to spend time discipling people or developing real community because I need to work on getting that 20 grand in the bank. That Tesla is not going to buy itself, you know. It's more than 20 grand, but anywho. Maybe that's not you at all. Maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum, and you're like, I don't even have enough money to buy that McChicken after service that I was wanting. Like, I got to pick. I either get the large Sprite that's a dollar or the McChicken that's a dollar. If I get both, I'm going in the red, but I can get one, and that's where your finances are at. Instead of worrying about having 10 grand in the bank account, again, you just want that McChicken and that Sprite to go with it. It's a deadly combination. We're on the edge of financial ruin, and we're so stressed. We stay up late at night thinking about our finances. We constantly worry about our next bill, our student loans. Maybe you've taken out some more student loans than you probably should have, and you're realizing as you get to graduate that someone's got to pay for those student loans, and that someone is you. Or if you get married, it's your spouse. That was my story. Anyways. And then we devote our entire thought life to our financial woes. All we think about is money, money, money. So tonight, we're finishing up our two-part series on generosity. Last week Pastor Casey talked about being generous with our time and our talents and tonight we get to talk about we gotta talk about money, money, money. Yeah, I thought you were all good. I thought and when I did that when I practiced, I envisioned you all starting to sing along. I don't know why I envisioned that, because that would never happen. <laughs> but I really felt good about it and it, it just didn't work out. Now I'm really sad, but it's okay. I'll pray over it later. I know that we don't like talking about money. I'm just going to be real about it. It's a personal thing. You can be touchy. you like, oh, you're going to tell me how to handle my finances? That's uncomfy. However, Jesus talked about money a lot, like almost more than anything else. He tells us that we need to be generous, that we need to feed the hungry, that we need to give to the poor. He's very adamant that we need to take care of the poor. So Jesus cares about money, but why? I think he gives us these, this answer in the book of Mark chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, you can get... Open that up and turn there, Mark chapter 12. So in this chapter, Jesus is teaching his disciples. They're in the temple, or kind of, kind of like the church. That's a, a gross analogy, but it's okay. So they're like in the church, and Jesus was teaching them on discipleship, on what it looked like to follow him. And this temple would have been adorned with beautiful, extravagant decorations. Lang Hall is pretty nice, right? It looks pretty good in here. This is pretty fancy, but it was way fancier than Lang Hall. And then... In the temple, they would have had an offering box or a place where you could go give your offering, and that offering box would have been a very fancy-looking box. It would have been a place where people could go drop large financial gifts and show everyone else just how wealthy they are. And Jesus pulls his disciples in. He sees them. They're just kind of hanging out. I just imagine Jesus chilling at this point in time. He just kind of gave a little sermon. Now he's like, all right, disciples, come here. And he gives them a little piece of advice in regards to generosity. This is in Mark chapter 12, 41 through 44. And he sat down opposite the treasury, and he watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which makes a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, listen to this, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, we love you so much. Jesus, we thank you that we get to be generous and we get to serve you, Father. I thank you for tonight. I thank you for that worship set. We get to encounter you, Father. You're so good. We love you so much, King Jesus. In your name, amen. All right, here's the main idea tonight. God wants our hearts and our trust with our finances. God wants our hearts and our trust with our finances. So we'll start with the hearts. The widow's offering was preceded by some rich donors. They were dropping bags in the offering box, okay? They came in, there, writing some fat checks. It would have been fun for the temple leader. He'd be like, yeah, we're going out. To, we're getting two McChickens tonight. It's going to be a good night, okay? And then this poor little lady comes up, and she drops in pew, pew, two small copper coins. That was probably like the smallest offering that, that offering box had seen in some time. She gave literally the two smallest coins that were in circulation in that time. And the disciples may have looked at that gift and thought, why is she doing that? That can't buy anything. What's the point in her giving those two coins? It's not going to make any difference. Why even bother? And then Jesus pulls them in and tells them that her tiny gift was worth more than any of the large gifts because she gave everything she had. She didn't give out of abundance like the other people did. By her giving money, she's showing that she's committed, that she's invested, right? It's her saying, I'm going to give my piece. Even though it's not as important or not as big as the other people, I'm going to buy in. She's investing her hard-earned money into the kingdom of God. Too often, when we talk about money, we get kind of worked up, right? God's after my money. The church is after my money. That's all they want is my cash. I've earned this money. I worked at Hy-Vee, and working at Hy-Vee stinks. Shout out to Sam Childers. And we think, how dare they want my money? I had to yell at people about when I was bagging their groceries and smile, because there's a helpful smile in every aisle, and I had to be that smile, and I don't want to give up that smile of money. I've worked hard. You see, God doesn't want your money. That's not what it is, because newsflash, God doesn't need our money. God is the creator of the universe. He can provide for things without our contribution. I'll just be real for a minute. Most of us in here do not have a whole lot of money. Most of you work part-time jobs and probably make a couple hundred dollars a week. I'm going to be real here for a second. I probably make the most money out of everyone in this room, and I don't make that much money. So if I don't make that much money, and I make more than the rest of y'all, this isn't good, okay? We're not dropping bags in the Kyle of offerings. So God doesn't need your money to advance his work. In the grand scheme of the kingdom of God, our gifts probably don't move the needle, Right? However, God may not be after how much money you give, but he is after your heart. Matthew six twenty one says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For example, we're in the middle of March Madness, right? It's a big basketball tournament for college basketball, if you don't know. And so there's 68 teams in this tournament. Out of these 68 teams, most of us probably don't give a rip about any of them. Maybe you care about one, like maybe you love the University of Iowa, and maybe there's like one more that you have a cousin's brother's sister's boyfriend that goes to some weird school in the middle of Texas, and for some reason you feel a deep connection to them, so you really care about them, but outside of maybe one or two colleges, you probably don't care. Even if you're an avid basketball fan, I like basketball a lot, and I don't have a deep passion for most of those 68 teams. For example, I don't care who wins between Ohio and Creighton. I don't get all excited about it why in the world would I care? It doesn't impact my life at all. Hear me on this. I'm not saying to gamble. I'm not saying this is a good thing, okay? So don't go gamble and blame me. But let's just say you did. Let's say you gamble. And let's say you bet $100 on your March Madness bracket, like you filled out a bracket to see whoever wins, and then you get, you, if you win, you get money. So you gamble $100. And if you win, that $100 turns into 100 grand. Side note, before we continue, Craig Chapman made a Chi Alpha March Madness bracket, and I'm in last, okay? It stinks. I'm really mad. Every day I check, I'm like, well, this is stupid, and I'm in last. And Craig's, I think, in second to last, but also in first. I don't know why he got two brackets. Anyways, I'll deal with that later. So let's say you put $100 on this bracket, and if you win, you get 100 dollars And let's just say that you picked Creighton to get to the final four teams, You haven't watched a Creighton game all year long. You don't know any of their players. You don't know their coach. You don't know anything about them. You haven't cared for them all year. But now, you pick them to get to the Final Four, and if they win and get there, you're gonna make $100,000. I bet you care about Creighton now. I bet you watch Ohio versus Creighton to see if they, who goes on, right? Earlier in the season, when you had no money in the line, you didn't give a rip, so you didn't watch. But now that you've got money invested, you care enough to watch, Care a whole lot about creating when our treasure's on the line because our heart is invested. Another way to think about this is: let's say you invest in a stock company, right? Or stock in a company, excuse me. Before investing this company, you probably didn't look at their stock prices a whole lot. Maybe you looked at a little bit just to see, like, if you should invest it, whether it's a good investment. But I bet if their stock prices went up, you didn't get all excited. And if their stock prices go down, you didn't get devastated. But let's say you invest in this company, you buy some stocks. When those stock prices go up, you're getting pumped, right? You're like, yeah, we're at money tonight. Come on, Jesus, thank you. And when those stock prices come down, you're like, oh, the world is falling apart because your money's on the line. And when your money is invested, your heart becomes invested for something you didn't care all about a week ago. Now, it can change your mood just like that because where your treasure is, your heart is also. So this is why I challenge you to invest in the kingdom of God to tie to your local church because as you invest into your finances into God's kingdom your heart will start to be invested in God's kingdom because your heart follows where your money is so Scent church the church that a lot of us are part of just did a building campaign like we just said we just got a building and Taylor and I invested a good sum into this building guess what i cared more about where the money's being spent now because i put my own money in there i want the church to look good Right now, it doesn't look good because we're fixing a lot of stuff. Don't walk in right now. It'll be good by Sunday, though. Hollow, praise you, Lord, I hope so. But I want my money to be spent well. I care about this building because Taylor and I put our hard-earned money into it. Again, my heart's invested because my wallet is. This is why I think you should invest in your local church. It shows some buy-in. It ties your heart to the church. Your treasure's invested, so your heart is also Another thing I challenge you is, is to invest in other kingdom work. Give money to a foreign missionary, someone who's going overseas to preach the gospel, because this is going to tie your heart to them. So Taylor and I, pers- we financially support a few missionaries to different countries. I pray more for those missionaries than I do for any other missionary, because every time it comes out of my bank account, I think about it. I think, well, oh, I'm giving them money. I should pray for them. I should care about them. My heart is more invested in if they're doing things well or not. I care about their work more than other, pe- other missionaries because my treasure's invested. All right, I want you guys to think back. Think back to August. The weather's nice. COVID's worse, so that's sad, but you, a lot of you are freshmen, sophomores, juniors. You don't have a family. You're scared. You're nervous about how you're gonna find friends, and then you see this maybe chalk or you see something online. This crazy ministry is buying a bunch of Chick-fil-A sandwiches, and you're about to go get those Chick-fil-A sandwiches, right? Remember that Chick-fil-A party? It's where like 90% of you found Chi Alpha. And at that Chick-fil-A party, you may have met your best friends. Your life may have been forever changed because you went and got a chicken sandwich. Well, that Chick-fil-A party costs a lot of green. A lot of cash came on account for that Chick-fil-A party. 400 chicken sandwiches did not buy themselves. So last year, we bought 400 chicken sandwiches, and we had like 20 left. I think Jack Johnson was like the last one there, and he took like 10 of them and just scarfed them down. (laughs) Thank you, Jack. (laughs) Last year, we bought 400. This year, I want to double it. I want to buy 800. It's double the impact. Theoretically, if my math works out, which it never does, it'll be double the amount of people in this room. It's going to cost double the money. This is also on top of buying all the T-shirts, all the Bibles, all the advertising, put money on Facebook advertising and it works. I don't know how, but thank you, Lord. We gotta buy equipment. We throw other parties, not just that one. So let's just say that Welcome Week costs a little bit of money out of our Kyle account. It's worth every penny. (laughs) Worth every penny. Best investment I ever made was calling Chick-fil-A because that's how half of you got here. But it does take me, so how we raise that money is I go around and ask people. I, I ask churches, will you give money towards this event? Because this is on top of what I make every, or what I raise for my monthly support. I have to go and ask people, right? Again, I don't have 400 chicken sandwiches, money in my bank account, so I gotta go ask other people who got bigger bank accounts. I want you to think about something, though. If everyone who's in this room, and everyone who's part of Chi Alpha, committed to giving just $100 for Welcome Week 2021, we would have around 10 thousand dollars. Welcome week cost me ten thousand dollars. So if every person in Chi Alpha said, I'm going to work over the summer, I'm going to give a hundred dollars of what I, what do I earn to Chi Alpha, we would have welcome week paid for. And that's cool, right? Because then we could use other money that I go raise to buy even more sandwiches, more advertising, better equipment, more parties, etc., And you may not have $100. That's okay. Again, I'm not after your money. And here's why. Last year, I raised enough money to pay for Welcome Week. So we can do it again. God has provided for in the past. God can do it again. So I'm not worried about the money. But here's what I actually think would be really cool. What if Chi Alpha paid for Chi Alpha to welcome freshmen? What if college students like you were committed enough to the cause of Christ that you would invest your treasure so then your heart would follow, and we don't have to ask other people to pay for our mission, but we pay for our own mission. Even though none of you make any money, we can show God is so good that college students can pay to go reach the next class of freshmen. Now, that'd be pretty cool, right? I want you to think about this as well. As you invest your treasure, if you pay $100 and you buy like 50 chicken sandwiches, you're going to get people to that party because you don't want your chicken sandwiches going to Jack Johnson, Okay? <laughs> So as your treasure gets invested, your heart will follow, and you're about to care a lot more about Welcome Week. This is the first year that I paid for Welcome Week, and I cared a lot more about it, okay? When I bought those foreign chicken things, I was like, I better not be wasting all my money. We want people to come, so we went out and we met people, right? So as our treasure's invested, our heart is also, so I challenge each of you to give $100 to Welcome Week over this summer and watch your heart get invested more. If you make more money than that, you can give more. That'd be cool. If you make less, you can give less. Again, it's not about the dollar amount. I could care less about that, but I want your heart's just like God does. I want your hearts invested in reaching the next freshman class because if we went and bought those chicken sandwiches, maybe your life would be a lot different right now and there's some freshman who's gonna come into college next year who's in the exact same boat you are. Go buy him a chicken sandwich with a little bit of Chick-fil-A sauce. And maybe we raise enough money we could buy canes, which is so much better. Yeah. Uh, I, I just did that to John and Boomy. That's the sole reason I did that. Anyways, I got off my notes. I gotta find where I'm at. <laughs> got excited. Two things get me excited. Three things. Jesus, freshman, and chicken. And we just had the trifecta right there, baby. This isn't just about God getting your hearts, But I want you to hear that again. God's not after your money. He doesn't need your money to do his work, but he wants your heart and your treasure. Your heart will follow. But he's also after your trust. The poor widow's offering was not only important because she gave and invested in the kingdom of God it's also important because she gave all that she had. By giving all that she had, she was left with nothing. Let's do a thought experiment. Victor over here is our guitar player. Let's say Victor has two guitars, and he gives his best buddy in the world, Derek, these two guitars. Oh, sorry. Victor's left with zero guitars, right? Poor widow gave the only two coins she had. She's left with no coins. She gave out of her need not out of her abundance. The other guys were given out of their abundance, but she gave out of need. By this lady giving away all her money, she's showing that she trusts God, that when she's left with nothing, he will provide. I think most of our lack of generosity in regards to finances comes down to a lack of trust. Hear me. Some people are not generous because they really like stuff. They really want the newest iPhone, they want a cool car, they want a big TV, and if those things cost cash, and if they give their cash away, they can't spend it on cool things. Some people are like that. And if you struggle with that, all I can say is you can't buy happiness. I don't think it's sinful to have nice things. Hear me, I think it's perfectly okay to spend money on things. I've wrestled with that a lot, but that's where I'm at right now. We'll see where I'm at next week. But I do know, at least for me, whenever I get really excited about buying something, I'm like, yes, this is going to change my life and be so happy. Then I get it, and like two days later, I'm like, crap, I'm still not happy. That didn't work. Because we can't buy things, or we can't buy happiness. Usually those things come up short because only Jesus can satisfy. For most people, though, their lack of generosity, I don't think it comes from the idol of materialism, but from the idol of security. We think if I tithe, I'm going to have enough money if something goes wrong. I might not be able to put as much towards retirement. I might not be able to invest as much. What if I lose my job and I don't have a big savings account to cover, so what I'm giving now is really, I gotta save it. I gotta save instead of give. The same thing goes just not with our finances. It goes with our time. We're not generous with our time because we need to work, because we need security. We need comfort. Aw, comfort. All of us are so comfortable here in Iowa. We get so anxious when we don't have a certain number in our bank account. I don't know about you, but that's me. If it's not over a certain number, of, oh, I'm stressed. And when you first start off, that number's like 100 bucks. I remember when I was younger, I'd buy like a $60 video game. I was like, I'm dropping bags. I'm so cool. I'm about to buy this video game, and I'm going to drain my whole bank account. So first it starts with, I need 100 bucks. And then we think, oh, I need $1,000 in my bank account, or else I'm not secure. Then we think, I need $10,000 in our bank account. The funny thing is, is we just never feel secure enough. As we get more money, we want more money. Because money cannot provide the security that only King Jesus can. So instead of trusting our bank accounts for security and safety, how about we trust Jesus? This weird urge of needing a certain number in the bank, the anxiety of worrying about what if something goes wrong and not having enough money, all this comes from a lack of trust in God. A lack of generosity stems from a lack of trust in God. A lack of generosity stems from a lack of trust in God. You don't think God can take care of you. So you need to hoard your money to take care of yourself. We think that we can take better care of ourselves than God can. This was my problem when I was interning with Kyle. Alpha. I was so anxious if I didn't get my full check or if I wasn't at 100% because I thought, I need to provide for my own security. Or I was I'm, it's like, I need to provide for my wife. I'm a 20-year-old husband. I need to be manly. Those cupcakes don't make themselves. I need to provide for me and my family. No, God's going to provide for you, okay? Let's trust him with our financial well-being instead of thinking I can earn it. Hear me, though. On the flip side, please save your money. Be wise with your finances. This is not an excuse to go give away or to go spend all your money. You can ask my wife, Taylor. I'm actually pretty particular about our finances. I'm a, I like our budget. I'm a saver, which is good, but you can't be a saver before being a giver. Ooh, that hurts for a lot of us can't save before we give because our money goes there our heart follows and the reason we give is because it's an active way of saying i trust you god again every time we give we're actively saying god i trust you with my finances in the old testament israel or the people of god they were told to give a tithe to the levites so the levites were the priests they were the people that took care of the temple the closest thing you can think of now is they like took care of the church. And a tithe, what that word means, it just means your first 10% of your income. So if you get a $10 check in the Old Testament, they were told to give a dollar of that to what is called the storehouse. The storehouse is what fed you. It's what took care of you spiritually. In Malachi 3.10, it says this, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. This passage is saying give 10% of your income to the house of God that feeds you. That is our command. In modern times, the house of God, the storehouse, is your local church. So for many of you, that's sent church. Maybe it's a different church in the area. That's okay. So according to this scripture, God is saying you need to give 10%, your first 10% of your income to your local church, and if you do that, watch him bless you. Fun. This is the only time in scripture where God challenges us to test him. It happens once, it's right here, when God says, test me, and watch what happens. I want blessings, That sounds like fun, so I'm gonna do what he says. I'm also not saying that if you start tithing, God is gonna give you a million dollars in a Ferrari. I'm not promising that either. So don't get mad at me when you write that dollar check to sent church, and then you don't get loaded the next day. What I'm saying is that God will take care of you and fill your needs. Matthew 6, 31 through 33 says this, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus is saying you don't need to be anxious about your needs. God knows you need to eat. God knows you need to pay your bills, but seek Jesus first, and he'll provide for the rest. He will provide for you. As you trust God with your finances, he will take care of you. Now, this does not mean to give away all your money, quit your job, and to sit on the streets praying. And if you do that, God's going to give you a bunch of money, and you're gonna get rich. I'm not saying that. That's not what it says at all. But what God is saying is that he's assuming you're doing your part, right? That you're working your job, that you're being wise with your finances, okay? He's assuming that, but as you do that, and as you are generous, there's no need to worry about your finances because God will take care of you. You're doing your part, you're being generous, you're working hard, God will take care of you. Again, we have to be smart, though, because God has to be able to trust us with his finances. So if every time you get money, you go and spend it on stupid stuff, why would God keep giving you more money to spend on more stupid stuff? Okay, if you live in a dorm and you have an 80-inch TV, God is not going to probably pour out his blessings on you so you can go buy a 90-inch TV to play Fortnite on in your little bedroom. That doesn't make practical sense. But as we trust God with our finances and as we prove that we are trustworthy and we earn his trust, he's gonna trust us with more. He'll take care of us. God is a good and a trustworthy father. Trust him with your finances and don't worry about your financial security. Do not let fear stop you from being generous. Now, the New Testament doesn't strictly talk about giving 10%. Jesus doesn't talk about a tithe. Jesus talks about being generous. Jesus talks about trusting him with your finances, giving to the poor. So what a lot of people deduce from this is, okay, Jesus never tells me to tithe. He just tells me to be generous so I can give what I feel like. So the Holy Spirit, I prayed, and he told me, you know what? Derek, just give 2% to your church. That's all you need to do. That's generous for you. And that sounds nice. I kinda wish that was what the case was. Sounds great in theory, but it does not align with the rest of the teachings of Jesus. Follow me. So with all of Jesus' teachings, what he does, is he takes what the Old Testament says, and he ups the ante. He makes it a higher call. So the Old Testament says, do not murder. And then Jesus says, yeah, don't murder, but also don't even be angry. So murder's not, the, even being angry at someone's sin, that's a higher call. Okay, it's easier to be angry than to murder. The Old Testament says do not commit adultery through sleeping with someone else's spouse. The New Testament, Jesus says not only that, but don't even look at a woman with lustful intent. Again, it's a higher call. The Old Testament says you should love people, but if you want to, you can kind of curse your enemies a little bit. It happens a lot in the Psalms. They say you can punch them an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. What does Jesus say? He says love your enemies. Again, no more tooth for tooth. It's a higher call. So if the Old Testament says to give 10%, I venture to guess that when Jesus was talking about being generous with our finances, he expected the people would continue giving the 10%, but he's upping the ante. He's giving it a higher call. So I think the least we should do is start with that 10% that the Old Testament tells us to do. So this is why Taylor and I, we give our first 10% of our paychecks to sent church. We are called to give God our first fruits. The very first thing you should do with your money is tithe. It's a way to give it back to God. Again, it's a way of saying, I trust you, God. It's a way of saying that, God, I trust that you can do more with my 90% than I can do with my 100%. Tithing and being generous is not spending, is getting a paycheck, paying all your bills, paying, spending all your money, and then whatever's left goes to God. God's not after your leftovers. God wants your first fruits. This past summer, I'm gonna be honest to you guys, I was really stressed. Right before school started, I was really discouraged. So if you don't know, this is my first year being the Chi Alpha director and taking over Chi Alpha during a pandemic was fun. I'm pretty young for my job, pretty underqualified. Not only on top of that, I had to worry about masks, social distancing, following the school's rules, protecting people, and it was a little bit more than I would signed up for. On top of all that, I had to raise money to pay for all the Ki stuff. Again, I had to raise money for Welcome Week, the t-shirts, and all of that. And it was just a lot. And there was one night, Taylor and I were walking our dog, Cap. And I just was honest with Taylor, and I said, Taylor, I can't do this. I haven't even started, and I'm so overwhelmed. I was had a breaking point. I said, Taylor, I can't take this position. It's too much to lead in this time. Remember I said... Looking back, I feel so stupid. I said, Taylor, I just wish the school would go all online so I don't have to worry about it anymore. It's too stressful. Then I get home. I go and pray because my heart was clearly not in a great place. And as I'm sitting there praying and talking to God, I repented because I realized I was being really sinful, that God had called me. If God had called me, he would provide. And I realized I didn't trust Jesus at all. So as I'm sitting there praying, I say, God, you know what? I said, "I'm sorry. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. I'm all in. If you want me to lead during the pandemic for the next ten years, that's what it's going to be. I'm going to follow you to the ends of the earth because you have called me, and I'm not going to worry about everything else. I'm going to trust you, God, because you are in control." As I sat there and I wrestled with God, I submitted and said, "God, I'm all in. Wherever you lead, I'll follow." I remember that night so clearly. So right after that, the next morning. Mm-hmm. I got a call from my accountant. So if you work for Kyle, if you have an accountant that takes care of all our finances, I got a call and she says, a pastor in Des Moines just wrote you a $4,000 check to pay for your welcome week. Ooh, God is good. That gives me goosebumps. (laughs) You know what we use that check for? Chicken sandwiches. We were gonna do burgers before that. No one would have come for burgers. Oh, like, half of you, like, shaked your head. You're like, I'm mm, not about Jesus. i just about getting that Chick-fil-A sauce. Seriously, though, we used that check to buy the thing that got most of you connected to Kai Alpha. I'm convinced that our group would not have some of you. It wouldn't be nearly as healthy if it wasn't for that check. And I don't think God wanted to trust me with that check until I said I trusted him because that pastor could have given me that check anytime. There's no I didn't it wasn't like I just asked for it a week ago. Anytime he could have given that. But that day, the day after I say I trust you God is the day that the check comes. Why would God trust me with your souls because you came because of that check you, so I mean, Why would God trust me with your souls if I didn't trust him that I could lead through a pandemic? Why would God trust me if I didn't trust him? And if I wouldn't have said, I trust you, God, I wouldn't have met some of my favorite people in the world. If we would have been all online, I think like 100% of people in this room's lives would be a lot different right now. If God would have answered my prayer, my life would not be nearly what it is right now. I have the best job on the planet. It's because of you people. And I wouldn't have met some if I didn't trust Jesus. Trust the Lord with your finances and watch him provide. How is God supposed to trust you with more if he can't trust you with what you have now? So even if you only make $100, if he doesn't trust you to give the 10. It will be much harder when you're making $100,000 for him to trust you with $10,000. Again, we don't give to get rich though, right? I'm not saying that. Again, please don't take that away. That's not how it works, unfortunately, but we do give to show that we trust God with our everything, including our finances. This goes farther than just money, though. Trust God with your time, like Pastor Casey talked about. Give God an hour of your day and watch him make the rest of your day more productive. Trust him with whatever you have, just like the widow. If you have a little bit of time, trust him with a little bit of time. If you have a little bit of money, trust him with a little bit of money. If you have a little bit of talent, trust him with that talent. If your talent is you can click next on a slide, we've got a job for you. I think everyone's talented enough to do that. If, you're, if your talent's preaching, come on up. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that one. So what does this practically look like, though? I want to give you guys an example of what Taylor and I's financial generosity rules are. Okay? And these aren't 100% correct. I'm not saying we know everything, but I just realized the only way I can show you is by showing you what we do, because that's just what we have seen work. So the beginning of it is, we trust God with our tithe. The first 10% of our money goes to Sent Church. So our tithe, the first 10% should go to the local church. That's the baseline. Everyone's called to do that. That, To be honest, I don't think that one's a negotiable one. On top of this, I think God has called us to give to missions, like I talked about. This means giving money away to missionaries who are spreading the gospel across the world. This includes four missionaries who are going to unreached people groups or people who have never heard the name of Jesus, like in Muslim countries. This includes Chi Alpha missionaries. That's what we are. We're missionaries. People who are foreign, people who are United States missionaries, all of that. Our whole team, the whole Kyle team is missionaries. All of us get paid. So Taylor and I, our goal is to give the next 10% of our income to missionaries. So 10% of the church, the next 10% to missionaries. That's our goal. We're not there yet, though. We give roughly 6% to missionaries right now. And again, this is different from the tithe, okay? I think sometimes we think we can lump it into some, like I'll give 10%, I'll give 5% of the church, 5% of missions. I don't think that's what scripture is saying. I think 10% of the church is the baseline, then we get to missionaries on top of that. So it's kind of above and beyond. All right. So missions is above the 10% and that go to foreign and U.S. missionaries. After we do this, we're called to feed the poor. Jesus talks about taking care of the poor constantly. It's so close to his heart. And in our context, we don't see a lot of poor people, right? Taylor and I, we drove through Kansas City. There are so many homeless people, I was just bewildered. So how do we give to the poor here in Iowa? We don't see it a lot. I think there's a couple ways, but they're all based out of this idea. I want you to listen real close. Love finds a need and fills it. Love finds a need and fills it. So whenever you see a need, fill it. If someone's on the side of the road asking for money, my conviction, you don't have to agree with me, my conviction is to give whatever cash I have to them. Sometimes that's a decent chunk. Sometimes it's nothing. I don't have any cash. I believe it's not my place to judge if they've earned it or if they deserve it or if they're actually poor enough for me to trust them with my money. Love just finds a need and fills it and trusts the Lord to take care of the rest. You don't have to agree with me on that. I'm just showing you guys what I do, right? Another way that we can do this is to give to an organization that's actively helping feed the poor. The organization that Kyolphus partnered with is called Feed One. Feed One is an organization that for ten dollars a month you can feed a child for the whole month. So Taylor and I feed multiple children per month through Feed One, and I encourage you to do the same way as an active way to give to the poor across the world, right? Because we're not going to be able to walk around really poor third world countries and give money, but we can give to Feed One that does it for us. And if you want to give to Feed One, or if you want to give to the Welcome Week, that's on our website northerniowaxa.com/give. You can just search Kyle Alpha you and I, and it'll pop up on the Give tab. The first top is a way to give to Kyle Alpha. Right underneath is the way to get to feed one. That's something you're interested in. Again, that's just what we do. So if you want to go back to the other thing, the last one, with my light, my chart. Yeah. So we've got the poor. We give to them as needed, right? As we see needs come up. And the way we do that is through local needs, like if you see a poor person on the road, feed one or other organizations. There's a lot of organizations that help the poor. And the last way we can give financially is through what I'm going to call offerings. These are like special projects. So an example of this is the building fund that we recently completed for Scent Church. It's just a special project that comes up once in a while. It's not like it happens every day. Giving to Kyle for Welcome Week is another way, it's another example of an offering. Again, we find a need and we fill it when we can. This is above the 10% tithe, and I challenge you to give to special offerings as presented, as the Holy Spirit guides you. I don't, we don't give to every special offering that we see presented to us, but just as the Holy Spirit leads us, again, so this is a way to actively partner with your community and to give your heart to the project. Because like I said, if you give to a project, you care more about it, right? So if you give to Welcome Week, you're going to care more about it because your heart's being invested. So the offerings you give to, just as presented to you in their special projects. So for Taylor and I, to summarize this, we give our first 10% of our income to our local church. We support different missionaries monthly. Our goal is to get that up to the next 10%. We give to the poor as we see them and on a monthly basis through Feed One. And we give to special offerings as they come up. That's just what we do. I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm not saying if you don't do exactly what you do, God's going to smite you and I'm going to be angry with you. No, I just want to show you what works for us. God isn't after your money. I'm not after your money. That's the beauty of my position. I'm not a local church pastor. See, I didn't tell you to give the first 10% to me. I told you to give it somewhere else. So I don't feel bad at telling you. Local church pastors get kind of nervous because like, hey, you should give your money to me. I didn't tell you to give any of it to me. You being generous doesn't actually benefit me. You being generous doesn't actually benefit God. God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need us to be generous in order for him to pay his bills. I think he can be aight. But God loves you enough to challenge you to be generous because he knows it's good for your soul. Because remember, God wants our hearts and our trust with our finances. He wants you to invest in the kingdom of God because where your treasure is, your heart is. He may not be after your money, but God is certainly after your heart. You have an opportunity to invest your heart into the kingdom of God through tithing to your church, through giving to global missions, to feeding the needy. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to die to the idol of security. He wants you to not trust yourself or your savings account for your well-being, but to trust him. Again, please save your money. I hope we don't take that away. I want you to be really smart with your money. I care about that too. But don't sacrifice generosity at the altar of your savings account. Don't sacrifice generosity at the altar of security. God wants you to trust him no matter what your financial position is. Maybe you're like the poor widow and all you have is a small offering. Guess what? God doesn't care how much you give. You don't win divine brownie points for giving more money. If you make $100 a week and your tithe is only $10, your tithe's not any less valuable than if you made $10,000 a week and you gave $1,000. There's no difference. It's about your heart, right? God's after your heart, not your money. It isn't about the money at all. It's about you trusting Jesus with your life, including your finances. So why should we trust Jesus? Because Jesus has earned it. Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. Jesus died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins. Jesus came through. Jesus made a way when there was no way for us to be with God. We are so sinful. We should be apart from God. Our offerings, our offerings are too small We don't have enough to present to earn our right to the kingdom of God. So Jesus offered his everything so we could have the kingdom of God. He gave his entire life so we could have forgiveness of sins, so we can have grace. God gave everything and all he asks in return is for you to give an offering, not of money, but of trust. He asks you to trust him, not only with your finances, but with your entire life. If you'll please stand with me. We have an opportunity to give our hearts and our trust to Jesus through our finances. If we truly trust Jesus, we'll trust him enough to do what he says in regards to our finances. What he tells us is to be generous. And through some of the practices that we just walked through, we can be generous and trust him with our finances. I want you to think about this. What if we were the most generous Chi Alpha in the country? We could support local churches even though we don't make very much money. we are the most generous Kai Alpha, we could send missionaries all across the world spreading the love of Jesus to unreached people groups. People who, if it wasn't for these missionaries, they would have no chance of hearing the gospel but because we were willing to give away $10 a month to a missionary. People hear about Jesus. I've said this many times. My goal for Kai Alpha is that we're sending out missionaries. I think some of you are those people who are called to go reach those unreached people groups. And we send you out, better believe we're sending you out fully funded. I'm not just sending missionaries, to send missionaries, I'm sending missionaries that are healthy and that have the money to pay their bills to go and do the work of God. And the way we're going to do that is because we're going to be generous and we're going to trust Jesus with our finances. Imagine this, welcome week next year, 100% funded through students in Chi Alpha that care enough about the next generation of Chi Alpha students to give away a little bit of money that they make over the summer. Oh, that'd be so cool. I'll ask pastors for money. I don't give a rip, but I want to ask you because it's cooler that way. We can reach even more freshmen, too, because we'll have more resources. Because guess what? If you ask for money and you guys give, I'm still going to ask the pastors. I want even more money. I want to buy more chicken sandwiches. We can feed hungry children for a whole month for $10. For two Starbucks drinks, we can feed a kid. want to have a global impact northerniowaxa.com slash give scroll down to feed one and click the button we can learn to trust Jesus and give him our hearts through trusting him with our finances and putting our treasures in heavenly places we can live for more than just ourselves we can live for the glory of God we can die to the idol of materialism the idol of security and the idol of self and we can live to King Jesus come on somebody You would all bow your heads. Here at Kyle Alpha, we like to give two opportunities for response. If you're here, and this is all going kind of low over your head, you're like, bro, how am I supposed to trust Jesus with my finances? I don't even trust him or know if he's real. And maybe you've been living a life a little bit far from Jesus, and you've been kind of running from Jesus, and you want to change that tonight. I'm going to give you an opportunity to change that. So with every eye closed, I'm going to ask you, if you want to give your life to Jesus tonight, and you want to say, this Jesus who's give, gave everything for me, I want to give him a little bit. I want to trust him and say, I'm going to give him my life. If that's you, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Just as a sign, as an offering to God, saying, I'm all in. One, two, three. See that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Let me pray for you guys. Jesus, we love you so much. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you make up for our tiny offering of life, God, that you are good enough to fill the gap. Jesus, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for forgiveness of our sins. We love you so much, Jesus. Amen. Now I want to ask you, is if you want to commit to being financially generous, and if you realize you probably haven't been as generous or trusting of God with your finances, if you realize you have a trust issue in here, I want you to raise both hands right now. If you think you might have a trust issue with Jesus, I want you to raise both hands right now as an outward sign to say, God, I'm all in. God, I'm going to trust you, not only with my finances, but with my heart, with my time, with my talents, and my treasures. I'm going to go make disciples who make disciples who live a life of real devotion, real communion, real responsibility, and I'm going to give a lot of money away. Jesus, I love you so much. Jesus, I thank you for the students in this room, God. I thank you that we have an opportunity to be generous. I thank you that we can partner with you, God, that you don't need us, but you want us to partner with you, Jesus. Jesus, we love you so much. Amen.